0: Ladies and gentlemen, now entering the basement wing in at 237 pounds, he is your host, the man in the mirror, Jordan Tyler Wallenberg. Welcome to Wall... Listening, baby. It's me. It's your man. It's your main man and host. It's me. It's old walls. I'm back. Episode number fifty-eight coming your way. Got another fun episode. Got a, got a lot going on in this episode. We got a Super Bowl to talk about. We got a. Fantastic Wasteman- WM Phoenix Open. I'm going to keep doing that forever, probably. So Super Bowl, WM Phoenix Open. We got some college basketball. We got the Flyers, Dumpster Fire. We got some fight news. We got my passing thoughts, as always. So we're going to get to that. Before we do, you guys know the deal. If you could, please rate, review, comment, subscribe, share with friends and family and everybody else out in the world. And as always... Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate everybody who who comes back and listens each week. I'm having a blast. I hope you're enjoying it with me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Without any further ado, let's get to it. Let's get started with a recap of Daddy's action. If you decided this was your time to fade Daddy, you made the wrong choice. He showed up to play. He showed up to play this week. My man, Daddy goes eight and four, and we did say there was going to be an asterisk that we weren't going to count the O lineman receiving touchdown against him. He did lose that one as well. So eight and five, if you want to get picky, but we're going to go eight and four here. Which let's just walk through these as a quick review. He had Eagles minus one and a half. That's a loss. I disagreed with him. I took the Chiefs. He had the under fifty one and a half. I have no idea if I agreed or disagreed on that. He had Eagle first, Eagles first half over 12 and a half. That's a win. He had tails on the toss. That's a win. He had the winning Gatorade color of orange. That was a loss. Purple. Purple. The best Gatorade out there, by the way. So, lost there. National Anthem over two minutes and two seconds. I think it squeaked over that. I think it was like two oh three. Mahomes over one and a half one-and-a-half passing touchdowns, that happened. Kelsey over 79 receiving yards, that was a win. Kelsey anytime TD, obviously a win there. A.J. Brown over 72-and-a-half receiving yards, win. Miles Sanders over 56-and-a-half rush yards, loss. I know some other people were on a Miles Sanders receiving stat. That did not work out as well, I don't believe. Uh, Receiving stat that definitely didn't work out was any sort of play on marquez valdez scantlin he had one target and he didn't catch it one target zero catches for scantlin mvs he had jake elliott over one and a half field goals made and that was a victory so eight and four for my man daddy which is markedly better than he's ever done he was texting me throughout the game he was excited He's been through some struggles, so, you know, it was good to see him, you know, have a good week, get a good week under his belt. And I know he was pretty, pretty excited. Might have to give him another crack at something here soon. His brother might be, you know, in the danger zone for the NCAA tournament if he doesn't, uh, you know, if his brother comes in and starts trying to bet over-unders instead of pick games, might not, might, uh, might go to the bullpen quickly if he's just going to be a clown. So, all right, let's go to the, let's go to the game. Let's just get to it. You have to start at the end, obviously. That that's that's where the the conversation's going to go. The penalty. Was it a penalty? I don't think it should have been called. By rule, probably a penalty, but they hadn't been calling it. I think Ross Tucker pointed out they let one go on him. Earlier in the game, that was much worse. They'd kind of set the standard. I think in the locker room, he said, he's like, oh, I knew I held him. Just a crappy way for an incredible game. What was a great game, back and forth, quarterbacks playing their asses off. Not much for defense, especially from the Eagles, but just an incredibly fun game to watch. And it kind of ends on a sour note. That said... That didn't decide the game, I don't think. I forget when it happened. It happened under two minutes. The Chiefs were still going to kick a field goal regardless and go up three. Now, the Eagles were going to have their chance. That's what we were robbed of, was the Eagles being able to go down the field and find out if they could tie the game and send it overtime or go try and win it. And it's a shame that what was probably you know going to be an all-time great Super Bowl is going to be remembered poorly by a a bad call by the ref stepping in. One of my favorite tweets I saw was from West Hodge, West Hodge at West Hodge W. E. S. H. O. D. He's a, he's a Packers beat writer, I believe. And it, it is quote, not this way, not this way in all caps dash Jim Ross voice, which is incredible. If you grew up, As a wrestling fan in the 90s and early 2000s. And JR just going nuts when the heel was doing something bad. Not this way! Not this way! Love it. But it is. It's a terrible way for the game to end. A game with people who were just performing spectacularly. Jalen Hurts played an incredible game. Minus the fumble. First quarterback with three rushing touchdowns. I mean, his stat line is is fantastic if you look at it: twenty seven to thirty eight for three hundred four, a passing touchdown, fifteen rushes for seventy yards. He accounted for three hundred seventy four yards. The problem, and we'll get to it, is the fumble. That was big. I, I think. If I might as well just talk about it now. If you look at two plays. In my mind, there's two plays that just keep coming back to me. Coming back to me. The fumble that gets returned for a touchdown by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts fumbles. And the punt return. It was... Oh, gosh. I forget where it was. It was late in the game. The Chiefs took a punt return down to the 4 or 5. I got to start putting timestamps on my notes. Because I just put like, oh, Chiefs punt return down to the red zone. And... Not I didn't even I didn't have a single sip of alcohol watching the Super Bowl. Maybe the first time since I've been able to drink legally. And I still can't remember anything. I gotta put notes of time. But those were the two plays. Those were the two plays that fundamentally changed the game. Instead of the Chiefs getting the ball at like the forty and having to actually work for a drive, they get it down in, at like the five. And are able to just punch it in. The Chiefs scored every time they touched the ball in the second half. So between the fumble that gets returned for a touchdown, the punt that gets taken into the uh, to the five, and the fact that the Eagles' defense didn't just just didn't show up, that's that's what cost them the game, in my opinion. You know, take it for what it is. I mean, I'm an idiot, but that that's what I see. Now, again, the penalty is horrible. I I don't think there's. I can't imagine there's someone that's not out there that aren't Chiefs fans defending it. I mean, there's going to be some small percentage, obviously. But for a large majority of people, I think we're all in agreement. That was a terrible call. And it is. It sucks. I mean, mean, if you just look at my notes, what a great, I mean, birds right down the field in the first drive. Chiefs come back. And who else is it? Mahomes to Kelsey. Why not? A.J. Brown makes that catch. Then there's the fumble. Like, you're just reading this. It's incredible. We had the should have, should have been a catch, should have been a catch. I think they robbed Devonta Smith in the first half. I thought that should have been a catch. Then we had the Miles Sanders catch-no-catch. I think that one was called correctly. And the last one, I forget who was it. Was it Goddard catching it? I didn't think it was a catch at first, but when I looked at the replay, I could see it being a catch. So we had all the catch things. The NFL needs to fix the fucking catch rules. And can we talk, let's just talk about reviews while we're at it. Isn't the whole point of the review is that if you can't clearly overturn it, that we don't overturn it? Like, you should get, there should be a shot clock on reviews, maybe. I don't know, something. If it's not clear and obvious, I I don't want to be overturning it. I said maybe we do away with reviews in a group chat I was in. And I got uh, Coach Clark, our college football picker, shot me something back. He goes, maybe just only in the last two minutes. I could get behind that. But the catch rules in the NFL. How long have we been talking about catch rules in the NFL? Too long is the answer. Too long is the answer. But yeah, incredible game. Just the, the big players doing big things in big moments. Mahomes... Only twenty-one of uh, only twenty-one of twenty-seven for only one hundred eighty-two yards, but he three passing touchdowns. He rushed it for forty-four yards as well. Got a nice shot of something in the uh, in the locker room at halftime after he kind of re injured that ankle. The announcers did not play up the ankle as much as I thought they were gonna. I mean, they still did, but I thought it was gonna be even more. Travis Kelsey has himself a game. 81 yards for in it with a touchdown. Pacheco, who's turned into a nice little back for the Chiefs, he gets himself a touchdown and 76 yards. The Eagles, it was it was the hurt show I mentioned. Their next leading rusher, Gainwell, twenty one yards, only sixteen yards from Sanders. He did not even record a receiving yard. Smith and Brown, I mean, that's those were their dudes. Seven catches and six catches for 100 and, 100 yards and 96 yards. So 13 catches for darn near 200 yards between the two of them. Can't ask for much more. I think Jalen Hurts, though, proved he's a big-time quarterback in this league. It'll be interesting. You know, the biggest stage, and he showed up. It's easy for... You're not easy, but it can be you know, it can be a lot easier to perform in the regular season than you get to the playoffs and it doesn't really go the way you want. He showed up in the biggest moment of his career and balled out. A dude that got benched at Alabama, had to transfer to Oklahoma. I, I, I got nothing but respect for Jalen Hurts today. Pat Mahomes and big red Andy Reid get their second Super Bowl title. Had they not won this game, they would have been looking around and been like, hmm, huh, what's going on? We're getting here a lot. We're getting to the conference title game a lot, and we've gotten to some Super Bowls, and we're getting to have won. And trust me, as a guy of the Packer, uh, Packers fan, you look back, and you got two all-time quarterbacks, and you've only been to three through Super Bowls in 30 years, and you've only won two. It's not something, you know, I know the Chiefs have had quite the window. You know, I've told you I love Joe Burrow saying, the window's my entire career until you just don't go back. So props to the Chiefs for making hay while they're there. It'll be interesting, you know, how do the Eagles bounce back? I think the Bengals, you know, the Bengals looking back last year, they bounced back and acquitted themselves well this year. How do the Eagles bounce back? What's the NFC going to look like for them next year? It'll be interesting. The Giants seem solid. The Commanders had a moment. The Cowboys seem good. It seems like that's a good division going forward. be interesting. What else is in the NFC, though? You got the Niners. What's their quarterback situation? How's that all going to play out? I don't think my Packers. I mean, it, it looks... We can mention the, the Rodgers shit now. I mean, he's in. I think he's in total darkness as I record this. Who knows? Who fucking knows? But it seems like the Packers organization is, they're putting out every hint that, hey, we'll trade you. If that's what you want, we'll trade you. I think they are ready to be done with Aaron Rodgers. And they just need Rodgers to do it so they're not the bad guy. So, the Vikings in the North? Hmm? Doesn't... Doesn't blow you away. So, it'll be interesting for the, uh, the Eagles moving forward. Elsewhere in the Super Bowl things, I thought Chris Stapleton's national anthem was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. There were a couple commercials that caught my eye. Um... Venus Williams was redoing the inches speech from any given Sunday by Al Pacino. Why? Just leave it alone. Like, leave it be. Don't redo the inches speech. That's incredible. I enjoyed the T-Mobile commercial with J.D. and Turk from Scrubs, Donald Faison, and what's, uh? I can't remember J.D.'s actual name. J.D. and Turk from Scrubs. And then John Travolta was in it. I thought that was really good. And the trailer for the new Flash movie looked fantastic. Keaton? Keaton's back? I'm Batman. He even gave us the I'm Batman line. Every time I hear that now, all I think of is neighbors. And Seth Rogen and... Oh, my God. You know, the kid. Who's... Oh, Jesus. Now I gotta look it up. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Zach Efron. Seth Rogen and Zach Efron are like in the backyard after the party. And Rogen's character is like, oh, Keaton's Batman. And Zach Efron's character is like, no, it's Christian Bailey. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. So I really like the I'm Batman line. That movie looks good. It's some sort of time construction alternate universe thing. That's my only problem with superhero movies, is we're like so far. Into them now, like, we gotta get crazy to do shit. Thought the halftime show was solid. Thought Rihanna did a good job. I have no problem with it. I know some people were bitching about it. I thought it was a good show. Didn't blow me away. It wasn't last year's by any stretch of the imagination, but it was good. Again, no problems with it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole night. Had myself some pulled pork over tater tots, call them tachos, tachos, a little cheese and some jalapenos with it. Mmm, delicious, 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 delicious. So yeah, that's the end of an NFL season. A tough one for me as a Packers fan. You know, we, we regressed significantly. I think it may be tough going forward. You guys were there with me with the ups and the downs this year. I wrote them off a few times. I brought them back a couple times and rewrote them off a couple more times. So it'll be interesting what we got going in the NFL next year. Like I said, it's always can the team that loses a Super Bowl bounce back? I think the Eagles can. Their O-line is so good. So good. It's just the fumble and the punt return. Really, the the fumble, really. And that their defense just couldn't stop anybody. But God, that was such a bad call, too. It, it, it's, really, it's really annoying that that's what's going to be the talk of this game. It's It's what I keep coming back to in my mind. Is that the call was so bad. So bad. For the time and situation, it was so bad. That it's going to overshadow the game. And I think that's unfortunate because, like I said, it was an all-timer. It was one of the better Super Bowls I've watched. I mean, if you look back, let's look back at the last 15, 15 or so years of the Super Bowl. It's going to take me a second, so deal with, bear with me here. It was one of the better ones, for sure. 100% one of the better ones. Okay, results. They're not just a result. Hang on, hang on. Don't don't leave me. Don't leave me. List of Super Bowl champions. There we go. Yeah, let's just go back. Last year. Last year's was good. That's right. Last year's the Bengals were hanging around. The Bucks and Chiefs, that one kind of sucked. Chiefs and San Fran was okay. The Patriots and the Rams was an absolute snoozer. The year before, Eagles Patriots was awesome. Obviously. Patriots Falcons was incredible. Broncos Panthers that one was boring. Uh Patriots Seahawks back in 2015 for the 2014 season was an incredible game. That was kind of one of the the great ones as well. Seahawks Broncos sucked. <laughs> that one that one was so bad. was the final when the Seahawks just absolutely routed the Broncos. I think Peyton Manning had the ball snapped over his head in the first play. Ravens-Niners was a good one. That was the Harbowl. That was the lights went out and Ray Lewis was out in the crowd stabbing people probably. I don't know. I don't know. Just just a thought. There was a a nice little stretch there because the Packers-Steelers was a good one. The Giants over the Patriots was a good one, obviously, in 2011 as well so yeah it's you get a couple good ones and a stinker every once in a while so that's up there with the good one so yeah next year it's in Vegas next year it's in Vegas let's do an early prediction Super Bowl prediction for next year 2023 season Super Bowl in 2024 Tom Brady's gone Aaron possibly not possibly going to be around. Oh, while we're thinking Aaron Rodgers here quick, what are the Raiders doing? Now they're just going to release car. And none of this, what I'm about to say is a, a, an original thought stole this directly, directly from a video Ross Tucker put out. So if you want this thought, find his Twitter, find his Instagram, watch it. They signed him to an extension last year. But then gave him a no trade clause. And now we're just going to release him. So they had to pay him more. But they didn't get control of his future because they gave him the no trade clause. And now by cutting them, if they had just let him play out his contract and signed somewhere else, they would have gotten a, compensa- a compensator pick. They don't even get that. So they totally fucked it up. And now they may go chasing Rodgers. I mean, that's what it seems. What they want it seems it's the Raiders, the Jets, or he goes back to the Packers, or maybe he retires. Who knows? All right, all too early Super Bowl prediction from yours truly Bengals, 49ers in the Super Bowl next year. No, no, I take that back. Sticking with the Bengals, I'm not riding on the Ford Bengals, Eagles. The Eagles are going back. The Eagles are going back. The Eagles are looking to fly. Eagles fly. And the Bengals want to know who they, who they think going to beat them Bengals. All right. That wraps up the NFL, at least for a couple weeks. We got the, the draft coming up. We'll get our man MJ on to walk us through that and uh, prop us for that. He's our, he's our draft guru of sorts. So that wraps up the 2022 NFL season. Over in the golf world, we had the people's open, the, The WM, not the Waste Management anymore, the WM Phoenix Open. Won by your new world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler goes rounds of 68, 64, 68, and a Sunday 65 to win. And return to the number one spot in the world. He takes that over from Rory McIlroy. Rory, not his best stuff this week. He finishes T32. He goes 73 uh, the first round, which he got all his in. It was the early the earliest the early late wave got a, a rough go of it. It was a little tougher conditions to start Thursday and then they kind of settled down after it was uh, you know the frost delay. But this was the first time that they had a full field, what they call the designated events, not elevated. And I think it did what it was supposed to. It put the best players in the world on the same course. And you got a you got a really good leaderboard. I mean, if you just walk down through the top, top ten, just go down the leaderboard. Scotty Scheffler, world number one. Nick Taylor. Could be a pretty good young up-and-coming player. Has a great you you heard it probably a couple times on the broadcast, has a great amateur background. Really made one, maybe two mistakes coming down the stretch, and it's hard to win professional golf tournaments if you don't play darn near perfect golf when you're giving up 40, 50 yards off the tee like he seemed to be. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Jason Day kind of wiggling himself back in there. Started hot, 65 uh, a slow second day, the 71, then 68, 68 on the weekend. Solid stuff. Justin Thomas really flew up the leaderboard on the weekend. Got better every day. 71, 68, 67, 65. Looked really good on Sunday. And I think he even, yeah, he didn't birdie 18 or 16. 16 was playing a little tougher, but birdied, let's see, 13, 14, 15, 17 coming in. Also birdied 10, so came in at 4 under 32. So a nice back nine vaulted him up to, to make some serious cash. I think he made just shy of a million, like $988,000 finishing fourth. Then, like I said, Jason Day, Sam Burns, who you wouldn't have even known, was on the golf course. I, I, I feel like they didn't show him at all, and he shot a Sunday 64. Or, sorry, he shot the 64 on Saturday. Okay, I was going to say, did I not see him shooting Sunday 64? Yeah, 68, but, man, that's a good... Good weekend, 64-68. That dude's got game, as well. Then Sung Jm, Jordan Spieth, Tyrrell Hatton, Wyndham Clark, kind of a nice little up and comer, Xander Schauffele, who was really was really in it, and then had a rough finish on Saturday. Just not his his greatest coming coming in on Saturday. That kind of knocked him out of the tournament. Not knocked him out, but put him behind the eight ball. Bogeyed fifteen and sixteen. Had himself in contention after an early double. Had made five birdies to get the three under on the day. And then bogeys 15 and 16. And then par 17. Just a rough Saturday finish that really took the wind out of the sails. But still. uh, Ricky Fowler. Back. Had a nice little middle stretch. 66-67. In the middle. 71-70. Did make an ace. Did make an ace on Sunday. On the seventh hole. But in Ricky fashion. Followed that up with two bogeys back to back, and then mixed in his uh, you know daily double on the fourteenth hole, sandwiched in between birdies. So, but good to see him playing good golf. Better with him, and we can keep going down the leaderboard. It's it's dudes you've heard of, and that's the point of this is that these designated events put all the best players in the world, and it gives you good leaderboards. So I think it was the first one's a success. We got round two this week at Riviera. And I'm hoping for more. We'll get there going forward. Just want to talk a little bit more about this one. I mean, Scotty Scheffler. What more can you ask for from the guy? Just didn't have his best stuff, it felt like, on Sunday. And I think he kind of said so. Drove it erratically at times. But didn't make a bogey. Bogey Bogey-free 65. With an eagle on 13 and a birdie on 17 to kind of put it away. And Nick Taylor was hanging He was hanging tough, but he missed the green left on 16, made bogey, couldn't get it up and down, tough spot down there. And then on 17, he needed to make birdie to at least stay close. At that point, I think he was, did he go to three back at that point? No, he was just two back, I believe. Yeah, he was just two back just two back. But I mean, like I said, he looks like he had to kind of try and stand on one to get it home on 17. And he kind of flared one out. Right. And then left his chip short. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of people saying, I saw this tweeted. I think who tweeted Andy Johnson and at Andy FT. I think he's the, the fried egg guy. Always feel like you see the pressure impact pitches and chips the most down the stretch. Only place where it's really shown for Nick Taylor he says, especially true with short grass. He said, saw some of the same type of shots from Mito down the stretch at the PGA last year. And yeah, when it's the nice, tight cut grass and, you know, you got to really clip it well. You can't be chunking it. You know, if you're blading it, it's really going to show up. And he just couldn't quite hit the shots he needed to hit. Had a phenomenal week. Like I said, he only really made two mistakes going down the stretch. Just making bogey on 16 and not making birdie on 17. Those are the two shots came back and made birdie on 18. Kind of irrelevant. He was, you know, down 3 at that time. Right? Yeah, down 3 after he went into 18. Kind of an irrelevant birdie, but hey, give him credit. Sunday 65. I mean, you got to think if you tell him, "Hey, we're going to give you 65 right now. You don't have to go tee it up." Man, you you, you wonder do you not do you take it or do you not take it? Like a final round sixty five, I can't imagine there were too many lower scores on the day than that. You know, let me see, Bo Hostler, sixty three, just going ham bone with some bogeys. What a round I did! I felt like that went lost. He started out back, bogeys eleven, which is a hard hole. Eagle thirteen, bogeyed fourteen right back, B- parred fifteen. So he did this with a par on fifteen and two bogeys. And then birdied one, three, four, eight, nine. Huh. Yeah, there's a sixty-five from Matt Fitzpatrick. Thank you for that. I took you this week. At least get yourself back up there. He moved up twenty-eight spots. Twenty-eight spots. So yeah. But can I say about this tournament, I really like this tournament. It doesn't need to be an every week thing. It's it's perfect as a one time a year party in the desert kind of thing. It's a fun course, especially like the last, especially 15 and in. even once you get to 11, I think 11 and in, it's a really fun course. The front nine can get kind of monotonous and you can kind of look at it and be like, "Eh, where am I other than the par five out front? I think three. But once you get to 11, you got the tough par four. You got a par 3 that's kind of memorable with the bunkers and the water's there. It's not really in play unless they tuck that pin back right. You got the par 5 on 13. Then you got 14, which is whatever. And then 15, 16, 17, and 18 are great holes, I think. And they're positioned perfectly. You have the gettable par 5, the Coliseum hole, which takes a whatever par three and turns it into something really special. 17 is a fantastic hole. And then 18 is a pretty good hole because you got trouble right and left that you got to hit a good drive. And then if you do hit a good drive, your reward, you, you can get aggressive and go after it. So I think this is a perfect event for where it is, when it is. And once a year. I don't need like if they start doing, you know, if every fourth tournament has a stadium par three, then it's not interesting anymore. Right. Like some of it, like its uniqueness to the game of golf makes it great. So I have no problem with it in a one off. And if they there's eventually I just can't believe that somebody somewhere is going to be like that works so well there. We're going to try and implement it. I'll even give one more a pass. It's a nice change of pace. It's a nice change of pace. So, yeah, Scotty Scheffler just playing a fantastic golf. John Rahm, I, I haven't even talked about John Rahm yet. In watching his round, you would have thought it was worse. I don't know. At least I did. I was like, man, he really struggled on Sunday. He shot 68, made a couple bogeys, bogeys eight, and then couldn't, then struggled to get something until 13. And then bogey sixteen, but he was he was pretty well back of it at that point anyway. I mean, they even gave him like the they even like they gave him the old drop from coverage act, which is just wild to John Rom. But yeah, I mean, he finishes five back. But yeah, when the two dudes out in front of you shoot sixty five, and you know he would have had to shoot sixty three to to tie the lead. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you just don't have your stuff. And I heard this on a podcast. I think it must have been the No you Up podcast. i don't listen to any to other golf podcast. When dudes like this keep putting themselves in contention to win, and they put themselves in contention to win big events. And that's where we're going to see the top players now is these designated events. Like, they're going to be big events that you're going to remember. Like, oh, that was a big event. and He was in contention. and He didn't win. Yeah. You don't win much more often <laughs> than you win. Like, you just don't win that much in pro golf. Unless you're Scotty Scheffler in the last five, last uh, three hundred sixty five days, five wins, four of those in that like what was it, like a sixty day stretch last year, so back to back here, he seems to like this place. Hard to not think he's kind of a favorite at Augusta again, but Jordan Spieth looked good for portions of the the week, but how about this Jordan Spieth stat? Which, it is kind of contrary to what people tend to think about him all the time. Strokes game this week. Tee to green, he finished third. Approach, he finished second. Putting, 50 second. What people always seem to think about with Spieth is they remember that, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 stretch where he made, like, all those 30-footers. <clears throat> and it, I I screenshotted a, a post of the, the bogey boy's pot. And they're like things you never see that speed hit it really well and then putted bad. Actually, look at the stats. That's that's been the common theme is that he hasn't been able to cash in on his good ball striking because his putting has been shaky. And we're just conditioned to think that, oh, he makes everything because he did it for like a two-year stretch. And that hasn't been the case. It's the case has been he's a good he's been ball striking the shit out of it from time to time and can't get it out of get the rest out of it so it's funny that you know the eye test if you will that sometimes the numbers don't back that up and I think I'd seen another one that said that and they're like oh basically oh here it is no lane up Tweet maddening week for speed second in the field and ball striking but losing strokes on the green just to not had the speed right and putts keep chumming up short and this missed some from close range and somebody tweeted at him so basically his entire career aside from that two to three year heater. He's an elite talent, but putting is always going to hold him back from being an all time great. Hope he figures it out because that may more. Of for to watch. But yeah, like that was a, that's like actually the right take is that outside of the two year heater, which was incredible, is that his putting hasn't been that great and it's kind of been what's held him back, which is funny to think because you think of it as like, oh, he doesn't hit this well, he's this great scrambler. Not, I mean, when he was really struggling, is he was really hitting it bad, and there wasn't the putting there to, to bail him out. But since he's been playing better, it's been hitting it better, which is kind of contrary to what you would think. So, so yeah, all right, yeah. So we're on to uh, we're on to Riv next week, Riviera. I don't even know what this tournament's called. What is this tournament called? Uh, how do you even look? I'm on the PGA Tour website, is it just tell me. The Genesis Invitational. That's right. Oh, and we have the Full Swing documentary coming out this week as well. So that should be interesting. Riviera, we got the cat back. Big cat. Big cat is back. Coach Jeffy texted us that he his odds to win, apparently, are 130 to 1. I asked him if that was just a finish for the big cat, but he says they're to win. We, uh, be interested to see how he does. Obviously, golf's more interesting with him, whether you like him or not. I've never been the biggest big cat fan, but it's impressive to see him keep trying to make these comebacks and see if he can do it. This is I can't even tell you when the last time he played in a regular PGA Tour event was. Be probably, I'll probably can be googled. But yeah, it'll be it'll be good to see him back in the field. Golf's golf's more interesting with him in it, so. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll be talking more about the uh, the Genesis Invitational Tigers tournament at Riviera when we uh, are back with you next week. Let's quickly touch on the uh, the Tar Heels here. Watch them play Wake Forest on Tuesday. Now they only ended up losing by seven, but they were down twenty two at halftime. 22 at halftime, and it was 20 at points in the second half. And I stopped watching, not because I had anything better to do, but because I chose to stop watching. That's where we're at. I don't know what this team's deal is, because then they come back and beat a Clemson team who had been at the top of the the rankings. Granted, I don't think they're that great themselves. They come back and beat them soundly by 20. I watched that game on Saturday. Just had it on the other TV. Because I'm not I'm not dedicating time to this North Carolina basketball team anymore. But they come back. And then beat them by 20. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, well, what does make sense is that Pete Nance scored zero fucking points in that win. They scored 91 points. Pete Nance played 20 minutes and scored zero. If you want to see where the regression in this team is, it's from Brady Manick to Pete Nance. Wowza. Oofta. Oofta, oofta, oofta. So I I just don't get this team. I don't think Clemson's an incredible win, but it's a good, solid win of a team that they smoked. Now the Heels have Miami tonight. What do you expect? I mean, they got a, a tough little back to uh, back back to back games. They got Miami tonight and NC State on Sunday. What to expect? Are they going to get blown out? They're actually eleven and one at home, and not surprisingly, they they lost that game to Wake Forest on the road. They're two and six on the road and eleven and one at home. Only loss at home is to Pittsburgh a couple weeks back. What's the deal? Is it just that they're so erratic and their shot selection is so bad and they have no production production off the bench? I mean, they got uh, sometimes four guys that can score, and the sometimes is Pete Nance is the fourth guy sometimes. After that, it's like Puff Johnson gets some here and there. But, I mean, it's essentially three people every time. I, I, there's nothing new being said. It's the same shit every week. Yeah, I mean, you look at their game against Clemson. 19 from Baycott, 23 from Love, 17 from Davis, 7 from Leaky Black, 8 from Puff Johnson, 0 from Pete Nance. He scored 11 against Wake Forest. I just don't know. That, that win at least helps them a little bit to make the tournament like they're in trouble they're not necessarily going to make the tournament. They play Miami today, NC State on Sunday, Virginia next Saturday, Duke the following. They have Notre Dame and Florida State. Florida State who I think is pretty poor. Yes. Notre Date's Notre Dame's awful. So they have to beat Florida State and Notre Dame. Cannot lose those games. They for sure need to win two of the other games. Probably, I don't know, three, maybe four. Uh, Just, I don't know if, I don't know what they're sitting at. Just don't know, I just don't know where they're. Yeah, running out of chances for quad one wins, I'm aware. There's only six games left. They're definitely on the bubble. Let's see. 0-8 against First Quadrant after Ohio State finally (laughs) came to drop out. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. What else did I want? Ooh, Duke got screwed First Virginia. That was just decided not to call a foul at the end of that game. Watch, Watch Xavier Butler. That game ended with a wild... Goaltending call that may not have been goaltending. You got Purdue, Purdue out there with their big dude. Their big dude was not looking steady down the stretch when he started getting double teamed against Northwestern. They blew a lead. They were up like six or eight with three minutes left and blew that lead. Not a good, not a good loss for the Boilermakers. They have any good games coming up, the Boilermakers? Indiana comes to town next Saturday. That's a good one. That's a good one. Circle that one, on your calendar. There's Indiana heading to Purdue. So fun college basketball stuff. We're sneaking up on it's. Gosh, it's almost. We're almost halfway through February already. So March is almost here. March is almost here. All right, that's all I got for my bitching about the heels and NCAA. There'll be more. There'll be more to come on the NCAA this week. The NCAA is going to take a step up in in relevancy for me. Flyers are getting tough to watch at this point of the year. It uh, It's it's almost a little demoralizing because, you know, there's they can't make the playoffs anymore. Like, it's over for sure. I mean, in their division, what are they back of that guarantee? They're 16 points back of the Rangers. Like, that's obviously not happening. 1, 2, and 1. So, 1 and 3 because... Obviously, that one is an overtime loss. you know, overtime loss for the Flyers. (laughs) Just incredible that they just keep losing games in overtime. It's almost impressive how bad they are in overtime. It's legit impressive. Their lone win comes against the Oilers on Thursday, which was actually a shootout win nonetheless. They made it through overtime without losing and then won in a shootout. But still, then they follow back up and lose to the Predators on Saturday afternoon and lose to the Kraken on Sunday afternoon. It's impossible. They got, they got a little mini mini West Coast road trip, so I won't see these games. Games starting at 9 o'clock. I'm not even, half the time, I'm not awake at 9 o'clock. At the Kraken Thursday. At the Canucks Saturday. Monday, they're at 3 o'clock. What's Monday? Monday, President's Day? Monday's President's Day. We're on a little afternoon. Afternoon giddy. Calgary flames celebrate presidents. They were going to Canada and playing an early game. Got to love it. There was a letter sent out. John Tortorella was the signatory of it. Basically saying that it's 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 going to be rough. the The quote that is now I'm not going to lie to you and I want to be clear about this. We're not there yet. This year was the first step in building the future of the Flyers and restoring our reputation as one of the most respected teams in hockey. That means it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad going forward. And I the Gordon boys have told you this is a weak roster and it needs some rebuilding. And so the Flyers are going to be in in a rough space. rough space. This is uh Ooh, missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons for the first time since 92, 93, and 93, 94. Well, that's gonna keep happening at this point. Yeah. Woof. Oofta. This is an oofta too. So yeah. There's the oofta report for the flyers. Yeah. This is just gonna start stop being the flyers update and start being the oofta report for the flyers. All right, back with more oofta report next week. Quick fight game <clears throat> here. Yeah, uh, UFC this weekend, UFC 284, I didn't watch any of it. The rest of the card didn't really speak to me, and I was I was in bed before we got to the, the meat of this card. But Islam Makachev takes down Alexander Volkanovsky. From what I read about it, it seemed that he controlled the fight pretty well. Now, it, it must have been, if you look at the, the stats, again, I didn't watch the fight. Volkanovsky outlanded him. Total strikes, 164 to 95, so by quite a margin. The significant strikes was a much closer margin, 70 to 57. But Makachev had four takedowns, four nine takedowns, Volkanovski 0 for 4 on his takedowns. So it must have been the, the ground game that did it again. I didn't watch a single second. I've just read some things, and it seems like it was not that not that close of a fight. You're getting some stuff out of the Volkanovsky camp, I see, and fans that are like, oh, he should have won more rounds. I don't know. Don't know what to tell you. All I know is all eyes now in the UFC move forward to March 4th. The return of John Jones. He's coming in at heavyweight. He's fighting Cyril Gaon. Uh, I will be getting this one. I'll keep my ass up for this one. Also on the card, and one of the other ones I'm very excited for, Bo Nickel. The wrestler out of Penn State. In his fourth UFC fight, he's going to be on the main card. Obviously, very interested as to see who he's going out. Jamie Pickett is who he's fighting. Don't know much about Jamie Pickett. He's 13 and 8. He lost back in September to Dennis. Oh, Jesus. Why? Why can't people who fight just have some normal names? Dennis Tiloui. Tiloui Lin. Louis Lin. Eh, who knows? And then back in back in February he lost to Kyle Dawkins, so at least a two fight losing streak. Yeah, back in October of twenty one, he was victorious. He was one and one in twenty twenty one. So he's he's one and three in his last uh last four fights. If you go back to twenty twenty, he lost as well. So one and four. So not the stiffest competition, it doesn't seem for Bo Nickel, but that'll be fun. A couple of boxing news and notes. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis. I remain pessimistic about that. Canelo Alvarez is targeting a fight on May 6th. Cinco, I May 6th. What's May 6th? That's not Saturday, is it? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. I got confused with March and May. May 6th, Cinco de Mayo weekend. He's targeting a fight with uh, John Ryder, who's been a contender, an English contender for uh, WBA or not WBA for 168 pound belt. I don't know what your ranking he's on. I don't know if it's WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF. Who gives a shit? It's essentially a comeback fight for Canelo. He had hand surgery. They're doing it in Mexico, are the reports. The first time he's fought in Mexico in many many years. So it should be interesting. Uh, see if they can probably pack out a stadium with like 100,000 people. I think it's probably going to be the, the play there. So he'll be back in May. And then I, I guess I've heard, I've seen and read things that he's still looking at Beevil in the fall. I I still don't think he wants any piece of that. I, I think the only way, only way he should do that is if he can suck Beevil down to 68 and then Beevil could be undisputed champ at 68 and then maybe fight better bev for Undisputed at 75, but I don't know when they're going to do that time wise if he goes and fights Canelo. So, who knows? And the other thing, the Alexander Usyk Tyson Fury fight it was you know going to head to the Middle East. It was going to be then it was going to uh, Wembley on uh, April 29th, and last I saw, it was not in good shape. There were questions. If it was going to happen at all. Yeah. Tyson Fury issues challenge to 50 YouTube streamers. Uh, Fury will fight at Wembley against Usyk or Wilder. I, I don't need to see Fury Wilder again. We, we've seen that. Uh, Tyson Fury and Dion De- Oh God. Have held secret talks for weeks over a shock fourth bout at Wembley. Why, why don't we just fight Usyk? That's what we want to see. I just don't understand why this fight's falling apart. What else are either of them going to? I mean, I guess Fury's going to fight Wilder. Is his new fucking ploy. Just fight Usyk. Boxing can. Boxing fans can't have nice things. They'll start talking about fucking uh, Francis Ngannou too. Oh, good lord. We just can't have nice things. Options for Fury. Ngannou, Deontay Wilder. No thank you. No thank you. Andy Ruiz, I'm good. Joseph Parker, no, just fight (sighs) Usyk. I hate that I like boxing. Time for some passing thoughts. Had a, the roommate picked up a a nice ribeye. Not Not a crazy nice one, but like not, you know, they've got basically like three tiers. I forget what they are. You know, you get, is it like choice, prime, and select or something like that? She got the one in the middle. Hit the one in the middle. She got the one in the middle. A nice piece of meat. Like you can cook an like the lower level piece of meat. You can cook it good and season it good. If you do a reverse sear, you can make it pretty good. But when you start getting better pieces of meat, you can tell. And it was delicious. Ribeyes are fucking fantastic. And then when you cook it right, I cooked it to a beautiful medium rare all the way through. Probably even hinting towards rare, which is the way I like it. Delicious, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, just mm, 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 mm. the the roommate made a twice baked potato casserole. Not the biggest fan of twice baked potatoes, but the casserole form was quite scrumptious. Quite scrumptious indeed. Oh, I didn't talk about the streaker. The streaker at the WM Phoenix Open. I forgot to talk about him in the golf. I'm looking at my pictures here. My man went all out. He was swimming. He was he was humping the pole. He was out on the you know the WM sign out in the water. My man got after it. I hope it was all worth it, buddy, because I'm sure you spent a night in jail, and I'm sure when you got tackled, it wasn't fun. I'm sure you went down hard. Hard. Linkin Park released a song called Lost that I think should have been on their, would have been on their Meteora album, their second album. It was their 20-year anniversary of that. Chester, is Chester Bennington? Is that his name? Gosh, don't butcher that. Yes, Chester Bennington was uh, the lead vocals on it. So, cool song. Neat hearing him, Yeah, even though he's passed away a few years. Uh what else, what else? What else? Ooh, got some in and out Burger. Still fucks. Still fucks. Like, it's still there. It's still really good. Like, don't... When people tell you, oh, it's no good, just... You don't need those people in your life. You don't. You just don't need them in your life. I saw a fantastic meme. It was uh, from a Facebook page about... called The Valley, where I grew up. Not not Bradford County Valley, but The Valley down like, Luzerne County, Wyoming County area. wilkes Bear Scranton, that stuff. And it says, kids... Mom, can we go to Disney World? Mom, we have Disney World at home. Disney World at home was Knoebels. (laughs) Tell you what, though. When you're like a little kid and you go to Kenobles, Knoebels kind of slaps. Got a couple roller coasters. They got the water splooshy thing. Okay, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's got a pool. It's decent. It's not bad. But uh, that one made me laugh a lot. That one made me laugh a lot. I don't know why, but just, we have Knoebels at home. Oh, I saw this thing on on, uh, Instagram. Let me see if I can find it. I got to go find the actual thing. About a city in France. Was it France? Was it Marseille? Holy crap. How many times a day do they post something? Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. There it is. Strasbourg, France. On a July day, a woman began dancing in the streets. She danced all day before falling into a deep sleep. She woke hours later as the dancing continued. Dance uncontrolled. The woman would dance uncontrollably. Offer no explanation for it. That inexplicably, others began to dance too. Within several weeks, dozens of villagers were dancing uncontrollably on the streets. One witness rose "Women and Ned." Women and men dance and hop in the public market, in alleys and streets, day and night. Doctors diagnosed the cause of the dancing plague. One said the dancers had overheated blood and needed to dance to cool it. So city officials hired musicians, erected a stage, and danced along with the afflicted. The dancing continued. After weeks, the city priest concluded the dancers were sinners being punished by St. Vitus, a 4th century saint said to curse sinners with uncontrollable dancing. The dancers were brought to a shrine to pray to the saint, but that didn't help. Shocker. Shocker praying to the saint of dancing didn't work. Who could have fucking figured that one? Uh, Many have died, one city city archive records say. uh, One source puts the death toll as high as 100. And then in September, after two months of dancing, it suddenly stopped and never returned. And historians are pretty confident that this was real, given how many, like, eyewitness accounts they have. But to this day, nobody knows what caused it, what stopped it. Some think it was an outbreak of psychedelic mold. And others think it stemmed from a mass hysteria triggered by a recent famine. Apparently, there were other dancing plagues recorded in Europe through the Middle Ages. None were on the same school, though. Scale as Strasbourg. Wow. I read that and was blown away. I didn't know we had dancing plagues back in history. How did we not learn about that? How was a dancing plague not way up on our list of things we learned about in life? Just it should be. But, you know, why would why would those those people? They the they the thems in power, the governments. They wouldn't tell us that. You know why I know that? Because there's apparently a toxic plume hovering over an Ohio town called East Palestine, Ohio, after a train crash. And as of yesterday, it wasn't really being reported. I just found out about it. There was a train derailment. Three additional chemicals discovered is what I read. I don't know. Here we go. What we know. This is an hour ago. Hour ago, Washington Post. Residents wonder whether it's safe to return. Probably not. Probably not, it would just be my guess. I mean, it says in early February, a train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in eastern Ohio, igniting a fire that swept the town of East Palestine in smoke. Fearful of an explosion, a major explosion the authorities carved out an evacuation zone february 3rd this happened and i heard about it for the first time yesterday super bowl sunday 9 days afterwards vinyl chloride which is a toxic toxic flammable gas being of most incurred most concern to investigators people were being reporters were being arrested Over asking questions and reporting on this, I've read very unclear about what actually was happening, but still sketchy. People on both sides of the Ohio Pennsylvania border, because apparently this is near the border, were evacuated. I've seen pictures. It looks like a, you know, it looks like a nuclear uh, bomb mushroom. It's just apparently now it's hovering around. It's just incredible. On February 12th, the EPA, after monitoring the air set, had not detected contaminants at levels of concern. Okay. In and around East Palestine, although residents may still smell odors. Man, I can't really speak today. Also screened the air inside 210 homes and said it had not detected vinyl chloride or hydrogen chloride, which can cause life-threatening respiratory issues. Yeah, until 20 years from now and everyone in that town is fucking dropping dead. Fearing an explosion, authorities held a controlled release of toxic materials from the train car, from five train car tankers on February 6th, that were diverted to a trench and burned off. I'm reading all this, like, I, my plan was I wanted to read about it as I did it, just to see what was happening. 1,500 to 2,000 residents were told to evacuate. Oh, Good. Norfolk Southern donated $25,000 to help the Red Cross. I read that they had been making record profits by doing stock buy. I'm learning more and more about stock buybacks and the shady shit that those things are. The Residents were permitted to return home on February 8th, apparently. Oh, Norfolk Southern, the, the train company said in a statement that its own experts and contractors were testing water from private wells. Like, why would they? There'd be no incentive for them to lie. And the government's always so truthful. EPA informed Norfolk Southern on February 10th that it might be responsible for costs associated with the cleanup. Might be. I don't understand how it shouldn't be. This This is just so weird. I, mean, I guess there is an article on February 4th, but it didn't get national. 50 cars were derailed. I mean, the governor issued an evacuation notice, an urgent evacuation. I feel like this is something that should have been more, you know, national news. I had a friend send me something. We're going to change topics. I don't know enough about it. I want to react to it and put it on the pod. See, just see my initial reaction. It seems like we should have known more and it should have been talked about more and discussed more. But why would our government or anyone like that be truthful? I had someone send me this on on Instagram. Good friend of mine. Uh, It was an article. It's probably fake, but it'd be true. Man shaves 1.7 seconds off two-hour flight. By standing up as soon as the plane lands. I'm going to let you know I was flying today. These people. Whoops, sorry. These people are real. They do it every fucking time. It blows my mind. You can't go anywhere. You're going nowhere. So now I, I wait patiently. I wait my turn like a civilized fucking adult. And now in my situation this time. My bags are behind me in the Overhead. So I have to go and reach back. Now, there's some dumb bitch who has come up and is, you know, creeping. And I can see her, like, eyeing us up to see if someone's going to let her through. I'm not. You can wait your fucking turn when it comes to mine. So now I have to go backwards to get to this. But if everyone was just stayed in their seats, again, like civilized human beings, this wouldn't be an issue. I would have... Plenty of space to go back. But now, because we're all shoved up like a bunch of cattle trying to get into the milking parlor to get their udders emptied, I have to lean back into these people. I like, go, oh, Excuse me, I need to get in there. And this bitch has the gall to go, ah. And I had it. I had it. I said, Oh, sorry for inconveniencing you. While I try and get my bags, what well, I just I just can't stand people. What what should have happened? I couldn't do it. Like if, if if it was a dude and someone did that, they would deserve to get punched in the face. I couldn't do it. I'm I'm a pussy. Like I ain't fighting anybody. But that's what should happen. Like someone doing that and they get up in your shit and then they like, Ugh. fuck you. Someone should punch. There should just be big people around who punch other people in the face when they deserve it. No, that's all for now. That's all I got. Let's go wrap this thing up before I, before the wheels really come off this thing. Closing time, everybody appreciate all you guys. Uh, Again, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate everybody listening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, From the bottom of my heart. I I really do appreciate you guys coming and, and hanging out and listening to my, my little pet project here that I, I'm going to continue to do. I continue to have a blast 58 episodes in now, or we're striving for a hundred now. Let's get there. Uh, so I'm having a great time. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Going to be back next week. We got golf. We're going to start diving into college basketball. I'm going to start looking for weirder shit to talk about, you know, as we get into kind of a, you know, the, the doldrums of summer, uh, try and find some, see if I can find some more interesting guests for you guys. Uh, but again, I appreciate all you We'll be back next week, as always. Till then, peace.